And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from an internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host, as always, Ronnie Landis. And super excited for this episode. It's been a long time coming, and I have a friend and colleague. His name is TJ Anderson. And what can I say about this individual? Well, he is a health expert, he is a health hacker, and um, he has an incredible brand, um, Elevate Your State. He is a podcaster as well, has an incredible podcast, which I got to be a guest on recently. We had a really cool deep dive conversation and a lot more, which he's going to help unpack for us. And there's certain topics that I think TJ just really breaks down very, very well. And, um, you know, certain perspectives on health and this, this term that we just got kind of riffing on for a moment, which is biohacking. And he helped actually correct me, which is health hacking. That's that's one of his focuses. He actually has a book. Um, it's the art the art of health hacking, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're gonna go deep into that. I'm super excited. Um, also, behavioral change strategies, um, human potential. How do these things all intersect together? How does how does not just like our, our food approach, our, our strategies around health and nutrition, our lifestyle optimization, how does that all intersect with also optimizing behavior change? Because we know that, you know, I know that 90% of diet is mostly psychological. At least that's my, my interpretation um, because, you know, it's based on compliance. You can know all the things to do, but if you don't know why you can't get yourself to do it, then it doesn't really help you. It actually hurts you because then you realize, oh, I'm in inner conflict and I'm self-sabotaging and I know what to do, but I can't seem to get myself over that, that rut. And now I have an even bigger issue, 
which is why am I not shifting my behavior? Excited to talk to you about all these things. TJ, welcome to the show. Why, thank you, Ronnie. It is an honor and pleasure to be here uh, with you now and with everyone else that might be tuning in live and whoever might listen to this uh, episode when it's, when it's up on the show. So it, I'm uh, excited to dive in and, and, um, and jam on some of these topics. Yeah, awesome, brother. Well, the first place to start is, you know, like, why do you do what you do? In other words, where, where did this start for you? You know, like, what, why did you get into health? Is this something that you've always been interested in? Um, or is this something, did you have like some kind of defining moment that led you into it? How did this start for you? Yeah, great question. So uh, for context, um, by trade, uh, my formal education in, in our education system, I was a business finance and insurance major at the University of Iowa. And my health consciousness journey, I would say started in like junior, senior year, i.e. I was waking up to like not drinking as much alcohol and getting more in tune with my body and <laughs> realize I'm not going to survive at this pace. Uh, you know, I went to school at a Big Ten University and big party lifestyle. And so post-college, I actually was grateful enough to have a mentor who uh, engaged me in a statewide, it was a public-private partnership called the Healthiest State Initiative to become the healthiest state in the nation, the state of Iowa, which you know you and others listening might chuckle at the sound of that, the idea of Iowa being the healthiest state in the nation, but you know, very, um, very, uh, you know, worthy I- ideal to just make progress in general um, as a state, and so uh, that was kind of my first foray into the space uh, uh, of health and wellness, and at the same time, I was waking up to. making improvements in my own personal health and lifestyle. Um, You know, I was living back at home post-college with my family, making meals from scratch with my mom, also noticing the levels of stress among colleagues at the insurance company I was working for and that lifestyle of cubicle sitting down and blue light exposure and not enough time in nature and and so, you know, thankfully, after a year and a half of that insurance job, I was fired, and I was able to uh, I, I was let go, and I was able to to then be sprung headfirst into the health and wellness journey. And so, from there, I, I did the work with the Healthy Estate Initiative for a little bit. Uh, got into health coaching at the local YMCA and group fitness coaching, and and. I was uh, trained uh, as an insanity group fitness instructor. If, if you're familiar with that workout exercise, that was mostly on like DVDs for at home. They also went on to train people to, to lead classes. And so that was me when that first came out. And all of this, um, suffice it to say, was involved uh, for me, you know, right as a time I also got connected with a modeling agency in Des Moines. And so, you know, growing up, you know, I and my parents were always wanting me to get into modeling or try that out and or acting or something like that. And and so, you know, getting into fitness, getting into better shape, I, you know, didn't just have, you know, the uh a decent look, but I had a decent body. And so I I made a go of it in the modeling world. So when I was twenty-four years old, I actually uh, moved down to Miami, Florida. I landed with an agency in Des Moines and they placed me 
So I'm from Iowa originally. So Des Moines, they placed me in Miami, Florida. And I spent four months uh, in, I think, 2014 uh, working uh, on South Beach as a model, getting thrown headfirst into that industry. Uh, And my intention was to use modeling as a platform to spread my mission of like healthy living with the world. And uh, which... Partially happened, but but really, it was um, a healing experience for me, and is a, a great growth experience for me. And you know, my six pack wasn't good enough for the cameras down there. I ran into a lot of financial stress. I was taken advantage of and uh, drugged by someone influential in the industry, uh, and have an unfortunate story there in my book that I talk about. Um, but ultimately, I yeah went through a lot of you know internal struggles of of uh, wanting to break free and be a rebel and uh, be successful in my own business. But uh, all of that success was based on how I looked. And that carried a lot of, um, you know, body image, like psychological stress issues um, in my life. And so after four months, I came back to the Midwest and, you know, I started a 30 day no alcohol challenge on Facebook. I uh, got into the biohacking world a little bit. Uh, you know, and got connected with Bulletproof, and and I was actually an ambassador with Bulletproof for a while. And uh, ultimately, uh, a few weeks later, after I returned from the Midwest, I, I went to a heart opening ceremony, which is in the book. This story uh, in Kansas City, uh, and so a shaman was present, um, and we consumed some substances to help us create a certain state to help us open up and heal and heal. And you know, this is. You know, in the Midwest, uh, like about five years ago or so, and and uh, you know, I, I that was a really momentous and healing experience for me. Um, and you know, uh, being judged for my looks, uh, I received a message from someone at this heart opening ceremony saying that I was more than my looks. I was more than my looks. You are more than your looks. Uh, and it just like unlocked something for me in that experience. And, and so, you know, that led me to get the calling to really start writing and reflecting and journaling and uh, about my health and healing and awareness journey while also turning it into a guidebook for others. And so four years later, the result of that was a book called, titled The Art of Health Hacking. And I spent years like nomading around the country. Uh, I ended up leading... Yeah. So that's that's the foray. That's kind of the story. The impetus for the book was the modeling experience and the healing that really started to come out of that. And, uh, and, and, and that's how the book came to life. That's so cool. I mean, there's a lot in there that I didn't even know about you. <laughs> yeah. and, um, you know, I can see that you've been on quite a journey. And um, I'm curious, like, at what point in this timeline, just as a side note, when did you and your partner, Amanda, get together? Because another thing about you, which is really awesome and inspiring, is that you've been in an incredible relationship, a partnership with your, your counterpart, Amanda, that... Um, I haven't gotten to know her very well. We've connected just here and there through Encinitas when, when we were both there. But, um, you know, I just, I've just seen you guys over the years and you have this, this, this partnership vibe. And we hear that word, by the way, we hear that word all the time. But a lot of my personal experiences and a lot of experiences of other people, I would say is different than like what I would say an actual partnership ideal of that would be. And, um, I just kind of get that vibe from you. You actually work together. You, you, you vibe, you're like, you kind of just have this really great 
partnership vibe. I want to, I want to make a note of that. And I also want to kind of, um, just get a sense in your own timeline. When did that happen? Is there any significance in that part of the journey? You bet. Thanks for asking. And I appreciate you, uh, sharing and acknowledging and, uh, um, a huge part that. of wellness, right? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you could say it was a missing piece, uh, you know, for me, um, and us prior to meeting. So we met, um, so, uh, during my nomad journey, um, a little over three years ago in LA at a fitness conference. So, um, that's how we met. It was, uh, basically at the end of my writing for my book, like about uh, a year before I launched it. And, so she was on the tail end. Um, uh, so Amanda, uh, is her name for the record. And, um, yeah, so we met that summer and, and it has been a, uh, a really amazing experience. And, and we just reflected, uh, today's actually, this weekend's our, th- our, our three year anniversary from our second date, which was, oh, cool. uh, yeah, we met in person at a fitness conference and then uh, two months later, I invited her to Iowa to be in a wedding with me <laughs> for our second date. So yeah, and now we're collaborating and have some projects together. We have a cookbook coming out together in 2020 called mm. Kitchen Chemistry. It's a healthy couples cookbook. So kitchen chemistry, what is kitchen chemistry? Man. Title. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a solid title, and and we're going big with it. We're excited for it. Wow. Yeah. She's the head chef. I'm the sous chef. Um, she, she's now a, a, a chef for professional athletes now and, and wow. executives. And so she's doing amazing work, but, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that happened, um, about, yeah, we, we met now over just over three years ago. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I, I thought that was an important bullet point right there. It, it sure was. Yeah. She helped, uh, definitely support me in finishing this book project. Uh, and she made her, there's a picture of, of her in there as well. And, and when we went to paleo FX, a conference, um, in Austin, Texas, but, um, yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for asking. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Well, um, yeah, just moving in, moving forward with the conversation. Um, I'd love to get your perspectives on this health hacking idea. And we talked a little bit about biohacking just for the, the benefit of the audience. We have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and people that are probably getting inundated with so many different ideas and approaches and are probably actually just really confused about a lot of things. And I know this biohacking idea has become very huge. I have my own ideas on it, but I'm curious, first of all, from just before we get into health hacking, or maybe this is a segue into that. Um, I like that term way more. What, 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 what's been your experience or what's your perspective on the idea of biohacking and, and let, let's let that take us into health hacking. Sure thing. Yes. Uh, so my perspective on biohacking, you asked, which I, I kind of speak to in the book to it, give light and explain to how I see health hacking as being different or, um, in a way just, um, uh, supportive of the evolution of biohacking and, and what's started with that. Um, you know, everyone has different, different, different definitions of, of terms and, 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 uh, but, and different experiences of, of these movements and how they relate to things. And as you said, there is a lot of overwhelm, uh, as well as a lot of misinformation. I mean, uh, my, 
that the standing principle and like the thesis of uh, my entire book is that we don't lack the science, information, or technology to live healthy. Rather, we lack the opportunity um, uh, or we lack the art to know how to use those resources effectively. So how can we become more creative and artful in our approach uh, in that journey so we don't get too overwhelmed and we have a sustainable, smart process to make um, progress measurable out with measurable outcomes in our health. Uh, and, and really, you know, for me, uh, I mentioned, you know, I got into biohacking. I was an ambassador with Bulletproof and, you know, I interviewed Dave for the book and he endorsed it and, and, and Ben Greenfield's been involved, a great biohacking leader as well. Um, interviewed him for the book. And so, you know, the intention was to um, bring a little more heart and a little more art into this space with the book and make it more holistic, like you said. Uh, and, you know, the, the, as I mentioned, that's the, the idea is to how we can become more creative and artful. Um, and really, I, it's not about lacking that. It's just tapping into that. Uh, but in general, biohacking felt for me a little too much like, um, like uh, maybe too, there was maybe too much uh, quantified self not enough qualitative self, uh, maybe um, too much technology and, um, you know, um, needing to seek outward for all these advanced hacks as opposed to maybe focusing on the fundamentals or going inside and doing a lot of self-compassion work. And so, you know, um, there's topics I explore around that emotional healing uh, of the heart and, and the book. And, and, uh, you know, transhumanism, uh, is a big topic that's kind of inter interfaces with biohacking as well, which I get into the book and health hacking in a way. Um, what I do is help people see their health holistically, uh, and to become a health hacker. And so, uh, the intention, I mean, the book is a self coaching guide. My whole intention was to democratize like the what, the why, and the how of sustainable, optimal health behavior change. So with my background in health coaching, I learned that so much of healthcare, uh, all of our costs, 80% uh, plus is related to our own lifestyle behaviors. And so I went down the rabbit hole of behavior change. So what I've in a way brought uh, into this approach of holistic health hacking is a path and a plan for people to not just like prioritize like what's most important to be integrated for change, but like have a have a plan based on the science of behavior change to be able to like m communicate to themselves as if they're their own health coach. So when I say self coaching, like uh, my intention is to inspire and empower people to become their own health coach, to really take their health into their own hands and both build their all star healthcare team and their self care strategy. So that's the intention. And, you know, I, I, I preface and, and bring people up to speed about the history of the healthcare system um, to see really how we can like live and coexist and quote-unquote, optimize both inside of the system and outside, right? So that we can, you know, be flexible and get the best of both um, in our own way where we are like the most important person on that care team. Uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, but we can still build the team, right? Um, and, and that's actually, you know, one of the biggest mistakes people make in their health journey is that they try to do it all alone and they avoid asking for help. And that's typically 
where people trip up. Now, oh, I'll yeah. preface that with saying there's nothing wrong with wanting to take action on your own. In fact, that is what empowerment's all about. But to take it to a whole nother level, having that feedback loop and support from people who have been there that can ask the right questions and give you the right guidance so that you can save time uh, along the way and have more confidence in your approach. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah, we, we, it's obvious why we, we have such a resonance with one another. We think very, very similarly. And um, that's, that's incredible. Um, this idea, real quick, I want to tie this into the behavior change thing that you mentioned, because this has been a huge hallmark and focus for me over a number of years, which is that it, we, we can know what to do, and we can even know why to do it, and we can know how to do it, but then there's this other hidden component that a lot of people call self-sabotage or self-defeating behavior that now we have to get underneath the hood of the car. Like what's actually going on that's not allowing somebody, even though they know why and they can generate a lot of emotion, they can do a plant ceremony, they can have these like transcendent experiences even, um, but then what, why are they not able to integrate it over, cross over as a normal behavior and upgrade their operating system? Um, that, that's something I've been fascinated with for a while. So I'd love to get your take on that. Um, and I think that probably has a lot to do with the reluctance to get support because if we're so used to being who we've been, doing what we've done, it's damn near impossible at best that we're going to be able to like quantum leap into a new operating system, a new thought process, a new lifestyle process without a blueprint and without someone to help us transition into that upgraded self. So I'd love to get your, your thoughts on that. You bet, man. Behavior change for the win. So yeah. So um, let's see here. To preface this uh, on, on the behavior change process. Um, so when I worked for this health coach training organization in Iowa, we were responsible responsible for um, training health professionals on how they communicate with patients. And to give you an idea, most health professionals go to school uh, and receive all sorts of training um, in in their specific field. And so it's not holistic and they're not necessarily trained on the best ways to communicate based on behavior change. So most health professionals were taught with their, to do teach and tell with their patients. Okay. Do teach and tell like that's how they're taught to approach their conversations and support with patients. And the problem is most people don't necessarily always want to be told and taught what and told what to do all the time. And so what we would go from is do teach and tell to ask, listen, and inspire around the sole belief that the individual patient, that client, is the expert in their own health journey. They know themselves better than anyone else. Yes, their care team might know their biochemistry, blood data, and their genetic data more than they do. But in terms of understanding themselves and their essence inside and their emotions, and their life experience... No one knows that better than the individual person. So we would go do teach and tell to ask, 
listen and inspire to really transform that conversation to help empower sustainable behavior change. So I preface um, concepts uh, that we can get into in a second related to that process because it sounded like you were asking me how can maybe people have this blueprint for effective sustainable behavior change? Is that right? Yeah. So we need to first understand like how communication plays a role, both in our traditional care setting. So I I preface it uh, on that way now. And it's also important to see how we communicate with others in our life, friends, family, coworkers about the topic of health. So really taking inventory on what we're saying and how we're saying it because our words carry so much energy and power, Uh, but as well as how we're talking to ourselves, how we're coaching and communicating with ourselves. So one of the big things I did in the book was to take uh, one of our core pieces of um, like really just the most powerful uh, process to follow on a con- for conversation with a patient. We, we called it our conversation flow model in our coach training program. It's called the conversation flow model. And there's literally like five outlined, five points that you follow uh, and stages of the conversation throughout like a 10 or 15 minute like conversation that if you follow to a T with a patient, with a client in, and asking the right questions, utilizing skills like reflective listening and uh, helping them to score themselves on, on a scale of one to 10 in terms of how important goals are or how confident they are. So this science, this is like the most evidence-backed way to inspire behavior change. Now, it's, it falls under the category in the scientific realm, which I get into the book called motivational interviewing. Okay. So motivational interviewing is a whole science of communication for behavior change. That was a core component of our training. And so what I've done in the book and now in my work with clients outside is to create a self-coaching conversation flow model based on the science of behavior change so that we can nearly guarantee we're stacking the deck in our favor to actually support ourselves with being successful with behavior change. And with that being said, so that's that's a big motivational interviewing and on its own. And this self-coaching conversation flow model is like its own piece of really powerful work. And then there's other components of behavior change that I get in, inside of the book called the five stages of change. So it's also called the trans-theoretical model of behavior change. And there's literally like five stages that you can take inventory on different behaviors in your life, all the different categories and different ideas of change and behaviors uh, and habits that we can do. And we can take inventory on all of those to see where we stand presently on the five stages of change. And the whole idea is to use self-coaching to coach us through these stages of change and have habits of like self-tracking through journaling and handwriting, as well as maybe some tech tools, but really focusing on the power of like handwriting and tracking our habits. And that's another topic I can talk about too, if we want to get into that. Uh, I'm actually working on a journal uh, called the Health Hacker Journal to accompany the book for people to actually use like a health conscious kind of health hacking sort of journal for people. But, but um, those are, those are some really important areas that I love supporting people on. And just for instance, like the beginning of the conversation flow model 
most people dive into first, like what they're doing wrong and, or what they want to change. But the first question we ask, based on the science of behavior change, the most important first question you can ask is what is going well for you and your health right now, today? What's going well for you? And, and some, sometimes that question surprises people because that means they have to affirm themselves for doing something positive already in their life. And sometimes we can beat ourselves up and always focus on the negatives. So what this does is, is it starts to build the confidence and build the motivation by starting with what's going well. Uh, and then when they actually say that, uh, that's, and you can reflect that back to them and have them hear what they just said, that starts to instill their confidence and their belief into, you know, things are going pretty well right now and, and, mm. and I can build on that. So mm. that's an example of how it starts. That's the engaging phase of the conversation flow model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> that's great. I love that approach. <clears throat> yeah. So th those are some of the, the high level concepts that I'm really bringing down to the average person to democratize really the science of behavior change, because I really feel like that's a missing piece in all the sectors of this well-being movement, however you want to describe it, right? Whether it's like quantified self, paleo, intermittent fasting, <laughs> you know, biohacking, mindfulness, like all of these categories. Mm -hmm. What's really been missing it, it, that I found was having a, a path to make sustainable behavior change yeah. so that you can see the results that you want, make progress and make change without losing focus yeah. on your other responsibilities. Because that's mm -hmm. usually what trips people up, you know? Um, so integrating yeah. them. Yeah. Integrating. Exactly. And I love that approach because most people, their thought process and the way they, they self-identify is usually posed in the negative. So, they, and that's also reinforces this, this inhibition to reach out for support too. So it's like all these negative components stacked on top of each other, creating pressure and weight. And we're trying to like, okay, it sounds like to me, you're immediately, you want to help that person demystify the ideas make it less complicated than it is in their mind and then take that weight off. So it's not like you're lifting a whole, a whole thing. It's just like already acknowledging what you've already patterned, what you already do consistently that is serving you, that is in the positive. And then all of a sudden the energy is going in the right direction. You didn't even have to correct anything. Right. Right. Yeah. I, the, 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 the short way to describe this is it's in the hashtag celebrate to elevate. <laughs> That's a rhyme that I might have a song on that in the future, but yeah. Yeah. That power of celebrating and affirming yourself for what's going well. And, and that will be your takeoff point to elevate. Yeah. One of the things that um, this ties in on some level, one of the things that I've been looking deep into is brain states and, mm -hmm. you know, like the alpha, data, delta, theta, um, beta, then there's gamma, there's hypergamma, there's a couple other newly discovered brain states, which is really fascinating. But um, to get into the gamma state, which is like that, that union, like where, where there's, a, there's a full electrical effect on the full brain, we, we call that being in the flow state or being feeling in union. What they've discovered is that the access point for that is based on four primary feelings, which is gratitude, appreciation, care, and compassion. So I've noticed if I can help myself and help somebody else 
immediately access appreciation, access a state of gratitude, um, then we're, we're already shifting their state, literally their brain state is already shifting. Now, if we can make that more of a dominant state of being, then everything else starts to kind of just line up in that way. Yeah, great points, uh, and that's that's a uh, all four of those categories you mentioned are yeah very very important. And like you said, it's you can stack the deck in the favor for people, and 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 it becomes easier. You know, I have this phrase or this term I talk about in in my book and my work, and and that is also the concept of habit stacking. Mm-hmm. And um, happy to share on this is one of the shortcuts. You know, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of um, shortcuts when you create a healthy relationship with them, right? Sometimes shortcuts can have an unhealthy relationship as like quick fixes, uh, as opposed to just like wanting to save time and energy and be efficient. You know, there's a different mindset there. And so the mindset here with habit stacking to help us, A, like save time and undo stress and energy along the way, and B, like, like create the state and be, be successful at creating the state that you desire on command in the moment like those are the those are the two focuses that habit stacking looks at so for instance like um if uh there's for let's say you want to state create the state of uh relaxation or calm it could be at any time of the day like some people might wake up stressed out in the morning after you know maybe not sleeping that well after traveling or having something stressful happen the day before or some people at the end of the day might be stressed from their day during it. So regardless, wanting to create the state of calm and relaxation uh, doesn't have to mean sleep. It can be do- done at any time of the day. And you know, one example to help support that uh, you know, is a stack of different health hacks. You know, and that's how I you know, approach things. So for me personally, you know, one of my favorite stacks that I love to do is um, you know, that the, the fundamentals, like the foundational stuff, like like intentional breathing and like time and sunlight and nature. Um, those are some of like the fundamentals, but some of the more advanced stuff to really like when someone needs this on command to really change their state. Mm. One of my favorite stacks to give people an example, I call it the ultimate reset <laughs> is um, doing an ep- a warm Epsom salt uh, or magnesium chloride flake uh, bath, uh, warm bath, followed by an infrared sauna session. So we own a sauna here at our place from Sauna Space. Um, Full spectrum mimics the sunlight, uh, near-infrared incandescent bulbs. uh, And and so you have four 250-watt incandescent bulbs, so 1,000 watts, and you rotate. It's like in this little pop-up tent. It's really cool setup. So you do that for like half hour, 40 minutes after the Epsom salt bath. And so you sweat quicker. And you can get relaxed quicker in the sauna because of the Epsom salt bath. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I might do some myofascial release or self-massage during the, the sauna. And then followed by the sauna, then, you know, I might have uh, a hot, cold shower uh, and do some cold therapy. Sometimes I'll go into like a five-minute ice bath if I really, or cold, yeah. just really cold bath if I really need a deep reset. Mm-hmm. Um but my sauna guy, the founder of Sauna Space, told me, 
here's a, here's a side hack for people that want to maximize the benefits of sauna therapy. So that's a category of a really amazing area for performance and recovery and resilience. And, you know, it supports you doing passive sweating, which helps your nervous system go from um, sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system and for relaxation, that rest and digest state. Um, but the, the, the one side tangent key is to, when you want to maximize the sauna benefits, the heat therapy benefits, like throughout the whole day, when you're doing your shower afterwards to make sure you do end with warm or hot water, um, not cold because what you end with will determine what you're able to continue to experiencing the benefits of throughout the day. So if you end with warm, it'll allow the warm therapy benefits, the hot heat therapy benefits you got earlier from the sauna to continue on throughout the day. But anyways, that's an example of like a really you don't need to own your own sauna at home. You can do a sauna at the gym, uh, for instance, and, and use different hacks like that to stack them on top of each other. And, you know, if you add in different state changing supplements, that'll take it to a whole new level. But, um, those are, that's an example of, uh, how I stack my hacks to create the state I desire on command. Yeah, that that's brilliant. I, I do recommend that everybody do try to get one of these incredible infrared saunas into your home because it's it's not a huge investment at all. Actually, it's remarkably inexpensive, and I I mean I I love infrared saunas so much, and I, I do like a niacin therapy, so I'll do rebounding, and I'll pop in like seven hundred or a thousand milligrams of niacin, and then and then do the flush therapy, get my lymphatic system going, and then go into the sauna have like a thing of activated charcoal and water, drink that, and then, you know, go into some, whatever my thing right. is. So that's like, that's how I like to, to stack that when I have that opportunity. And, and 100%, that's great. And this, love it, dude. Yeah. That, that, and, and just to throw in like the, um, yeah, rebounder can be great. We just got a rebounder a couple months ago. Um, short little mini tramp trampoline for those of you wondering what a rebounder is. Um, and, um, oh, uh, to throw in like while experiencing the sauna and you might do this as well, but like the power of music, right? Okay. Sound therapy, sound healing yes. to help create the state. So there's a song I'll, I'll play non-lyrical on YouTube. It's called Youthing. Yeah. Um, and the resonance, the hurts and the resonance of, of the energy is, is mm -hmm. like anti-aging, like youthfulness. And mm -hmm. anyway, so those are, yeah. You, 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 you speak the same language and, yeah, but when we can, yeah. when we can, um, empower people to show them how like easy it is to like, like change your nervous system to change your state and get back into coherence and flow, um, through some health hacks like that, that you can stack on top of each other. It's, it's empowering because people where I help people connect the dots are is, uh, and how they use their health and their health behaviors as an asset in their performance. Mm. So I, I like to say if like you're getting stressed and you feel like you're not managing it well enough, or if you're getting sick and you're missing out on work here and there, like all of that can be hacked. Like you can use your health as an asset to not miss work for sick days and to um, not allow stress to derail you, but to build more emotional resilience and, and work your way through those experiences. Like always honoring the self because realizing that health is that like foundational piece and it can be an asset. So that's like typically, you know, a lot of people might see them as silos, you know, and, and, and not necessarily 
want to focus or know the about the ability, the power of of integrating, yeah. you know, health, wealth, uh, work, and relationships all together, you know, to harmonize what we talked about in the interview with you and my show, actually, you know, mm-hmm. developing that harmony as opposed to this work-life balance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like the, the work-life balance, like it's like a teeter-totter. Why does it have to compete? You know, what's the point of that, you know? Right. So th- this is actually a really great point you make because to the degree that we're able to integrate the, integrate the completeness of our life, we're not compartmentalizing and essentially living inauthentically in certain areas of our life. So we are who we are through and through wherever we show up, we may have a different energy. There may, may require different things of us, but we're, we're, we're more centered. Actually, we're not coming from this like weird compartmental place. And we have to separate ourselves from the home life and our relationships and, and all these different things. And I think that might be one of the challenges that people have is that they don't see the connective thread that ties everything together. And I think that gets into a little bit of the why and like through meditation, through breath work, through doing things like the sauna with music for me, like going in a flow tank with a certain type of music helps me to somatically integrate, which also supports whatever the process is, whatever my mind might be trying to create walls or division around um, acting as if my relationships don't affect my health or my health, my state of health, it doesn't affect my relationships, which is completely ridiculous. <laughs> you know? A hundred percent. Yep. You're exactly right. And it's all interconnected and, and that can be a challenge for people, but that's also their opportunity, right? And to uh, a big part of that is also who and how you surround yourself with with other people and, and, um, you know, the whole, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time around, like it carries some weight. And, and so if there's an area of someone's life that they want to focus on, uh, you know, having people take inventory of, you know, who are they surrounding themselves with and how might that be helping or hurting their ultimate goals? Um, there's a, there's a quick, um, category of, of, um, self-reflection I have people take often in, in, in my book and in my work, it, it's called the five P's of health hacking too. Mm-hmm. So there's five words that start with the letter P. Uh, I just created this own little like simple concept. And, and uh, if I can share them, I, I think it'd be a quick little Definitely. great way, a simple way for people to take inventory uh, on these areas because it helps them to realize like where they might need more focus in. Mm-hmm. So, um, can I share those five P's? Yeah, go for it. Cool. So it's, um, uh, prevention, progress, uh, preparation, um, performance and presence. Okay. So, um, focusing on progress over perfection, um, connecting the dots between how our healthy habits impact our performance, uh, taking inventory on how well we prepare for our day with our health in mind, um, how well we uh, are showing up fully present. Uh, so you can take inventory on all of these five P's mm-hmm. and score yourself on a scale of one to five. See where you stand. Uh, this is uh, you know, what I'll do in workshops with people. And right then and there, how people take inventory to see where they've scored themselves. And it's a way for them to see, oh, I'm doing pretty well and better in these categories, but these other areas, whether it's maybe preparation 
or presence. You know, maybe I need more focus on those P's. Maybe, maybe those numbers are lower than I want them to be. And then that allows you to just be able to reverse engineer the habits you create and align those habits based on those P's. Mm-hmm. So um, that's um, that's a fun little simple exercise people can take now as they're maybe listening to this or watching this uh, and and want to see where they stand, um, and then use that as intel for moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that's kind of like a and you can use this process. You can use this process um, whenever you want. You know, it can be a weekly thing, a quarterly thing to help realign. Um, and, uh, and, and, the, and then the big uh, weekly process that I have people go through is that I, I talked about that handwritten process of like kind of journaling and tracking your health hacks. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've got, uh, yeah, I mean, I could be pretty personal and share what I'm actually working on right now. Um, but this, 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 this flow, this idea that we can create our own little health hacking habit tracking way of, uh, analog, like building our own sort of like graph, you know, instead of living in spreadsheets, Mm -hmm. we can build our own little grid of a spreadsheet on a piece of paper and really use the power of the pen, which carries a whole nother energy and feeling and magnitude to it. Yeah. Versus typing. Exactly. So anyways, I call it the seven day like health hacker tracker, uh, health hacker habit tracker. And vertically, you write the day of the week just with the letter. So Monday through Sunday, vertically. And then horizontally, you pick anywhere between like maybe three to five habits that you want to focus on. And typically, the self-coaching questionnaire comes before this table. But you use the data and intel you learned about what you want to focus on the most from the self-coaching questionnaire and then apply those into the seven-day tracker. And so what you do is, is typically I have like one habit in each category to give people focus, whether it's like recovery or sleep, one there, one with nutrition, one with technology, you know, one with movement and maybe a wild card, uh, so to speak. And you are focused intentionally on tracking those three to five habits throughout the whole week. And all you do is put an X in the box on the day and in that habit, if you completed it and an O, if you didn't, a zero, if you didn't. And the whole point is to just to track and to measure what matters as opposed to uh, being 100% successful. The key is to just like work the system. And then at the end of the seven weeks, you can take a step back, reflect, see what maybe you've already built as a habit and you can like cycle out of tracking and, and maybe adding something back in or see what you really, really need to own up on and, and mm-hmm. take action on. Mm-hmm. So for instance, like where I'm at now and tracking different habits <laughs> to get, to get vulnerable, um, I am, so for instance, I'm 21 days, no alcohol. So the principle of cycling, I like to apply and some of these habits that are, can have some gray area to it. Um, I feel like you can health hack alcohol if in the mindful way, and it's just it can also be toxic, right? Totally. So, um, so twenty one days no alcohol. I am uh, eighteen days no Netflix. <laughs> 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 Which for people hearing that right now, 
both of those might sound like a challenge. Uh, and for all the men out there, and not just men, but others who enjoy um, watching sexual exploitations, I'm uh, two weeks no porn. Wow. So um, that's something I want to really cancel out of my entire life completely. It's wow. something I've recently owned up on with myself and, and uh, my relationship. Wow. And uh, it just doesn't really feel healthy. And so, yeah, those are the three big ones that I've been tracking uh, that uh, require, require some intentional focus and effort to um, not do. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Well, first of all, absolutely brilliant. Totally brilliant. The whole concept. I, I need to get on this as <laughs> my tracking because I know how simple, man. Yeah. So simple. And I know how um, easy it is for me to just stack my calendar with clients and, and, and work and, and I'm taking, and I do my thing. Like I, 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 you know, but it doesn't, it does like I, I take care of myself, but it also, I also see where I could be more effective and more efficient and consistent because the new day is so full. It's easy to forget. Oh, wait a minute. I set this intention over here and now I'm kind of like, Oh, that pattern just showed back up. And I'm, because I'm so focused on today, which is great. And these things don't just go away overnight. Um, so that, so I'm going to, I want to, I'm going to, well, first of all, I want, there's two things I want to bring up before we, we, we conclude first, is there an online resource to that? Or I want people to get your book. Is that something you have to get the book or do you have an online resource for that tracker? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, I do. And I, I have a PDF okay. that I can uh, share with you. Um, I would love to get access to that for myself. So. You bet, man. Yeah. And I also, yeah, I've got PDFs and like screenshots or like pictures of just like mine and my own notebook. Like it's really, yeah. But, but I do have a self, the PDF I have includes a self-coaching questionnaire yeah. and then the, the tracking mechanism. Uh, so, so that it can all flow together. I'd be happy to share that with your audience. Yes. That would be amazing. Thank you. Yeah. The, the second and last thing we did want to talk about men's health um, we, we dove into so much amazing informative territory, so we don't have tons of time, but there is something that you brought up that I think is worth mentioning, generally speaking, particularly for men, which is this thing around pornography. And, um, I just want to get your perspective on men's and, and when I think of men's health and I think of the things in, in the way of men's health, that actually is like on the top of the list. Um, and this, the, you know, and just all the struggles we've all been through it or are going through it or transitioning from it. And thank you for just sharing, sharing what's real. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, you bet. And, and you're right. It, it is, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a vulnerable thing to, to share and own um, when you're not clear. And so I've recently got created clarity mm. potentially. Right. And, one of my other podcast guests originally talked about the book called Radical Honesty. Yeah. I didn't even have to read the book to, to allow that title to integrate itself into my essence. And, and so, so that's what's happening. I got clear and, and you know, I'm owning it. I'm realizing the more I own and share it intentionally for the right reasons and with the right people. Okay, those, those are two very good, important points to make. Whenever you create clarity mm. in an area of your health, that you, or your life that you want to make progress in and, and commit to, and you're dedicated to uh, working through. 
be mindful of who you share it with and the reasons why you share it. And uh, yes, so I feel pretty grounded and confident in my reasons why for sharing. It's partially to help call people forward, but it's also to keep calling me forward. It holds me accountable the more I share it intentionally. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that selfishly sharing helps to, it's like a built-in self-accountability mechanism. Yes. Um, and when you do it with the right people, and I trust you here, and I trust your community, um, they can hold that in a container with the right energy. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so that's, I want to preface it by saying that. Now, regarding yeah. the pornography thing, um, where, where we, um, here's the thing. There's, pornography has been a tool to help support self-pleasure. Mm-hmm. Among other deeper things, with with just like unconscious thoughts and relationships with self, and what we need for for um, you know uh, feeling fulfilled, and there's lots of ways to unpack our reasons why, but it ultimately can be a form of self pleasure when masturbation is involved. I don't believe that there. I, I believe self pleasure can be a very healthy thing, and uh, the problem is we just use often pornography as this quick cheap way to create that as opposed to being creative with how one could use visualization in their own brain uh, to actually have their own like deep internal and make it a spiritual experience, really protecting that container. So that's been a practice of mine since being two weeks, uh, no uh, porn, Um, you know, uh, because there are health benefits Yes. to mindfully um, have it, experiencing self-pleasure and whether that's through orgasm uh, or, and or through ejaculation, which orgasm doesn't have to include ejaculation, um, which might be a, a new thing for your audience um, to hear, um, but to really play with energy throughout that experience. Yeah. And without being just like it's like the quick, cheap hack to get the dopamine right. effect and the visual video experience, you know? So that's, that's my view on it. Um, and, you know, I know there can be science on both sides saying like, oh, it's not that bad for you. Oh, it's really, really bad for you. And maybe it's somewhere in the middle. But yeah. for me, it just didn't feel aligned. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's what I, I'm kind of hinting at here. Like, not so much getting into the, the right or wrong, but getting into like, particularly with men, because I, 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 you know, that's what so much of your focus is in your coaching practice. You work with men in particular. I imagine this comes up a lot. And I, one of the things that I just want to point out real quick is like, one of the things with porn or with anything is that we have mirror neurons in our brain that, that connect to empathy. And so when we're actually viscerally we're viscerally experiencing especially something as intensely arousing and powerful as that or think of like a movie you go to and there's like moments where it's like you're literally feeling what the character's feeling there's a mirror neuron effect that that is occurring we know that now so it's like it almost kind of like it can have this distorting effect on reality and we can want to carry that over into scenarios where that's not appropriate. Oh, 100%. Exactly. Yeah, we can easily like try to model 
what we see in pornography, whether consciously or unconsciously, it'll change how we look at and relate to uh, women and just the entire sexual experience. Uh, and, you know, a, a past podcast guest I've had on that, a, a sex expert, Susan Bratton, might be someone you would dig oh, interviewing. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, um, you know, we, <laughs> she's like, there's a lot, we have a lot of sexual shame in our world. And, and actually, I just, published this interview and we have a few like videos that she put on her YouTube channel and I can link uh, in the show notes if you want to this interview for people on on working through the sexual shame and communicating it through with their partner um, but uh, you know and, and <laughs> she, she used the, the phrase like you know how, men, how, how are men relating to all these giant schlongs on porn <laughs> you know and she said that I'm like I, I chuckled and laughed but it's so true you know that's, that's just like one little example but you're right like it, it uh, can have a, a trickle down effect in other areas of your lifestyle that is not healthy so yeah that's one topic to explore and, and if you're a man listening to this and and, and not to say that women don't watch porn or, or wouldn't want to take a break from porn or get off porn. But if you look at the studies and the data, it's predominantly men. Yeah. Uh, so let's be real and clear here. So uh, if you're a man interested in sharing yourself, telling the truth to yourself mm. and others around this topic or others, other topics that are vulnerable for you, like practice getting clear on your why mm. and ha handwriting and literally journaling with yourself on it. And then be intentional about who you share it with wow. because really protecting that environment about who you share it with and why you share it can go a long way. Not just doing dear diary on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Totally. Yeah. So like one little, yeah. So to that point, like, you know, like, the handwriting thing and, and having a phone in our pocket that accesses the world and the internet so quickly through social media is, you know, a very, very, uh, it can be seen as a, uh, unhealthy tool or weapon at times. Like I, I sold my iPhone recently, for instance, I'm doing an experiment wow. with a flip phone. <laughs> so the only way to access Facebook right now is on the desktop version. And I, I can't access Instagram anymore because you can't post or do anything on Instagram really. Okay. Uh, except like things or comment from the desktop version. So I have a flip phone now um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going back in time to, uh, it's also a hack for me because I'm wanting to spend less time. I, I actually experience pain sometimes in my hand and wrist. I've had the same thing. Have you? So yeah, that's why I'm wearing these little arm bracelets here that are applying a little bit of pressure to my forearms. I, I'll get some like, it's called tenosynovitis, tendonitis. Uh, uh -huh. Uh, through the forearm, and so um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to be really mindful of of uh, how much not just screen time, but like my form. Of, yeah, this little it, yeah, uh, even it's this is not a natural. It's tough, man. It it's not natural. Yeah, and it's so new for us, you know, and and so working through the transition, and or you know, just not allowing the transition to hurt you is what I'm. I'm focusing on like minimizing the pain and the issues in my tissues. And that's one of the ways I'm doing it is through a flip phone. Wow. brother, That's amazing. <laughs> that is incredible. Look, I, we could go so much deeper. We're just getting warmed up, but you really provided so much incredible value and shared so much informative directed um, disinformation. That's very insightful, very thought provoking and also actionable at the same time, which I think is the ethos of the whole health hacking. That's what it's about, brother.
hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and I've also got this one page PDF. It's a manifesto our community and I created, co-created together. It's called the health hacker manifesto. Okay. It's got like eight different like be- beliefs and values and, um, and, and is designed for, for people to, uh, embody themselves and write their name at the bottom and like hang it up on their fridge or like their office wall. So, uh, I can share that with your audience as well if they're interested and, yes. and, um, yeah. And, and, um, would love, um, their feedback on, on my book. If they're interested in checking it out, uh, healthhackerbook.com mm-hmm. is that site. And, um, yeah, I can, um, you know, like I said, I, I won't, I won't message you on Instagram right now, but I'm also on Facebook too, if you want to connect there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So cool, man. Thank you so much. Is there any, anything else that you want to share with the audience or any other resources before we close out? Uh, you know, thanks for asking, man. I, I mean, yeah, just like, uh, get out, like the resources, use the free resources as much as possible, man. Like relationships with humans, mm. with the sun, with the earth, with water, you know, and listen to Ronnie's interview I had on my show. So we'll link that in the show notes here. So your audience can hear you jamming mm. on what you jammed on, on the elevate your state show with me, uh, on that podcast. Um, cause we talked a lot about water on that. And so that was a great topic and really important one for people to make sure they nail on their health. Um, and, um, yeah, make it fun, make it a fun journey. And, you know, uh, people can also, yeah, check out, um, I'll put a link in the show notes. If there's any guys out there interested, I I run up, I launch it quarterly at this point. It's a online mastermind group, um, public, uh, it's like a group plus private program called the health hacker accelerator. Mm. And so my role is to help uh, high-performing men customize and optimize their health and performance uh, without losing focus on their work, business, or family life. So uh, I've got a partnership with a naturopath and Mm. help customize their nutrition and supplement Mm. game plan based on blood work and genetics and all of that. So so there's I get into all those topics in the book too. So if you want to start there, that works too. But um, no, it's been an honor honor and pleasure being on the show, Ronnie. And I appreciate your great questions and uh, for you appreciating the work I'm doing in the world. And I'll happily... uh, uh, maybe we can start to share each other's seven day health hacker challenges with each other. And, and that would be cool. Yeah. Can, I love that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. All right. Awesome, brother. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You bet. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the holistic health and human potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.